Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This meow cast. Yes. Minerva was not cooperating today because I tried to put her costume on and now she's mad. She's mad. I don't mad. know that she's, she's mad. She just, uh, she's avoiding capture. I was going to say, I think she's just like, I know you're up to something. Cause you didn't, like, you tried to get it on. Not that hard. Didn't yeah. try that hard. So no. she doesn't even know what a treat she's in for. Right. She's she hasn't worn clothing dinosaur. Yet. Yeah. Cats and clothing are hilarious. They either turn into like, wigs. like a, a no bones, like a, yeah, like noodles, the pug, yeah, uh, pile of mush where yep. they like stop moving or they scowl at you. Yep, and both options are great. Uh, they're hilarious. You ever seen cat wigs? No, I've seen cat wigs and I love those too. <laughs> Just like, you know, give your cat a sensible bob. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, because your cat needs to speak to the manager. <laughs> wonderful yes <laughs> oh i do want to mention so i i have a couple additions to add from last yes. week's story about the crouch family murders yes and i don't know how this didn't come up in the sources that i use which is interesting it might have come up later in that book it was a very long book so i did not yeah uh get to experience every 300 and something pages of it yeah. because i found it later than i would have liked. Yeah. But I did find in looking through some pictures online, a couple clips from articles. Ooh. So I just want to go over this one. And this is from, I believe, yeah, the next day. So November 23rd, 1883. I don't know the publication because it's a photo I found online. Uh-huh. But it says a whole family murdered. A Michigan millionaire and his family found with bullets in their heads, a large amount of money stolen. Yeah. Jackson, Michigan, November 22nd, the morning, uh, this morning, four persons, namely Jacob D. Crouch, age 84, a widower, Henry White, age 38, son-in-law of Mr. Crouch, Mrs. Eunice White, age 32, daughter of Mr. Crouch, all of Summit, and Moses Polly, Polly, age 26 of Transfer, Pennsylvania, were found murdered in their beds, all having been shot through the head just behind the ear. It is supposed that they had been chloroformed first, as no signs of a struggle appeared. Uh-huh. Each victim laying as if asleep and the odor of chloroform was noticeably when the bodies were discovered. Mrs. White was also shot through the left arm. Yeah. So, well, I had mentioned not knowing a lot of that, but so it is thought that they were chloroformed and there was money yeah. taken off the property, which I'm surprised didn't come up before. Right. But it does kind of change. Like, I still think the same people did oh, it. Same. But Yeah. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, please go back and listen to episode right. one twelve from last week. So all of that will make more sense. But yeah. the chloroform, I was like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense actually. How all four of them, yeah, especially if there were three perpetrators, yeah, and two of them probably slept in the same bed or very close, yeah. Um, that's it. Little update, and yeah. it's not really update, but like more information, right? Additional information. Yeah. Cause sometimes that happens, you know, you, yeah. you find something later and you're like, Oh man, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could reverse time and go back and add that. Especially like if you use Google a lot to yeah. do research. Cause then Google's like, well, here's an article about this that we found from of time ago that maybe you're interested in it now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I already did the story now, Google. <laughs> so I get that. So rude Google. I know. Where was this a week ago? <laughs> Yeah. I thought I saw something behind my shoulder and it freaked me out. And it might have been just been the glare of my glasses, but uh, spooky season is getting to me. Spooky season is definitely getting to me. It's going by a little too quickly for my likes. Oh, way too quick. I can't believe I I, just, I can't believe it. I, everybody I've talked to in the past week, it's just like, when did it become late October? Right. Because like, I remember like being like, I can't watch that movie yet because it's too early or it's not the time. And now it's like, do I have time to watch all my Halloween movies? I mean, I think personally, like the birthday rule of like your birthday can last for a month. Yeah. I think because Halloween is Halloween, it can extend beyond the month. I think it yeah, can go into November. Thanksgiving's next. And like, it, Thanksgiving has some delicious foods and that's nice. Right. But it's not. 
It's yeah. not Halloween. There's one Thanksgiving movie I watch. What is it? Uh, what's it called? It's Holly Hunter Home for the Holidays. Oh, okay. It's, she's, uh, I don't know. I think she's like late 30s, early 40s or something. Something like that. We'll just say yeah. four-year-old one. And she goes home to visit her parents for the holidays and her brother's there. And I mean, it's, it's good. Okay. (laughs) The only Thanksgiving movie I can think, I can think of two now that I'm saying it out loud. There's a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. See, I've, I've, I know I've seen it. Could not tell you anything about it. They had like a backyard Thanksgiving for all the kids. They're like, we don't know how to make actual Thanksgiving, but here's some popcorn and some toast. <laughs> Basically. Great. Yeah. And so there's like a very much a hodgepodge kids Thanksgiving. Okay. Like here's a bowl of jelly beans. Mm-hmm. And there's that horror movie about the turkey. All I know is because, like, I think the tagline was gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Just, like, a killer turkey. Don't know that one, but it does remind me of the second Adam's Family movie because they do a a skit at camp, and I think it's about Thanksgiving. And Pugsley plays a turkey and sings a song called Eat Me. That sounds about, oh, thanks killing is what it's called. Fantastic. I like that you said that, like, you know, the old movie, Thanks Killing. We all know and love. Oh, it's only an hour and 10 minutes. I've never actually seen this movie, but like I've heard about it a lot. Okay. I've never heard about it. A possessed turkey terrorizes five college students during Thanksgiving break. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I think we need to tell Scaring a Sharing about this. We definitely do. Uh, it looks like there's three of them. Of course. I mean, any movie like that, there's always sequels. Right. So thanks killing. See, keeping the the Halloween spirit alive for Thanksgiving. Oh my god! I just sorry, like I caught a clip, like just a sentence from the Wikipedia article, and this is the sentence that Google decided to show me. It's from the plot section. Uh huh. At the first Thanksgiving in 1621, a topless pilgrim is slain with a tomahawk wielded by an evil demonic turkey, which quips, "Nice tits, bitch." <laughs> so, tells you a lot about this movie right off the top. Wonderful. Given it's one of the only three Halloween mo- or Thanksgiving movies we thought of, it must be top three. That's true. Yeah. That's completely 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> it is on Tubi for free. So. Okay. You know what? Tubi comes through when you it. Need comes it. through. Yeah. yeah. I This is like the third Tubi conversation I think I've had recently. Yeah. And it's I, I, it's the one you forget about until you need it. Oh, right. The only reason I like ever think of Tubi is because I Google a movie and it says that's the only platform it's on. And it's because usually when I Google a movie, it like Tubi's the only platform it's on and it's free, but you have to watch it with ads, which is kind of nostalgic in a way. Like, yeah, watching I don't movies mind on TV. Sometimes. I mean, like, I don't like seeing the same ad over and over and over and over again because yeah. it is worse with streaming. Yeah. Than it was with like, like regular TV. There was because they're targeted. Yeah, exactly. So that's my only complaint about it. But it is nice having like a built in bathroom break or yeah. go fill your water or, you know, whatever you need to do. Right. It breaks it up. Yeah. And especially with movies like that. Yeah. Where yeah. you might want a break. I don't know, though, if it's an hour and 10 minutes, I'm pretty right. sure I could just like. You could power through that pretty go, quickly. Yeah. Right. Ride, ride that all the way through. Yeah. One. Like there's episodes of Sherlock that are longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it is. I mean, we are approaching cozy times. I'm not going to call them anything else, oh, but cozy I love times. Cozy times. Yeah. So I've been excited. It's been chilly lately. I've been cooning in blankets. I've been cooking in my crock pot. I don't dislike it, but I wouldn't mind it if it waited a second longer. If it's an option between that and like having it still be like, 70 and humid i want the cold i just don't want humid i want yeah. but i i i miss the sun a little bit it has yeah. been quite rainy lately even though i love rain yeah so i just if people i know in it's San Diego, coming you know what yeah. it's just that i know it's coming yeah and that that seasonal effective you yeah. know like and i'm like oh, that doesn't feel good right. i don't like that time I'm just going to set all like the tunable bulbs in my house to daylight and just pretend. I'm just not going to leave my house. I feel like it's, 
I'm getting like worse. Yeah. Where I'm like, I just don't want, I literally want to go nowhere. I feel that very much so too. I'm kind of glad that like we're getting going in rehearsals at Planet Ann again. So mm-hmm. forcing me out of the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't mind it right now. I'm talking about like a oh, few months win- from now oh, yeah. in the winter time. Yeah. yeah. No, right now I, I welcome reasons, like good reasons. Right. Leave. Cause fall, I don't know. I love fall. It's yeah. I had time. a rehearsal the other day. It was a blast. Yeah. It's like the highlight of my week. <laughs> right. It's just nice getting like back into that kind of stuff because it's been so long. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Getting out and doing shit. Absolutely. Is neat sometimes. Yeah. Only sometimes though, because yeah. sometimes it's trash. So we're not sipping on anything today. It's kind of a, a different recording time for us. Yeah. Kind of putting it in in the middle of the day. Yeah. In between things. So, you know, but uh, I'm sure we'll sip on something soon. Right. That'll be glorious. Yes. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about fall. We talked a lot about spooky mm-hmm. season. We always do. We always do. We promise we will talk about other things. We say that, Just but not do right we now. ever? I don't know. Well, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's time for a spooky story. I love it. It's a spooky story. I got this one out of my Great Lakes serial killer book. So it is a road trip and it goes to one of the scariest places I can think of being Ohio. Oh, yeah. Poor Ohio. I mean, it, it's it's got some spooky, personally spooky stuff for me of being an Ohio monotheistic organized religion and cults. Oh, you went back to the thing you found before. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. I tell you about this? No, you didn't tell me about it. You just said something about it was you're reading like really, about a cult in yeah. Ohio and you were like, it was really interesting. I want to do this as a yeah. story, but it's in Ohio. But yeah, I was like. It's spooky season. I want something spooky. I oh, want no, this. Yeah. And Go like, with your heart. Yeah. So, have you heard of Jeffrey Lundgren? The name is moderately familiar, but I, I don't know. Like, okay. I could be making that up. Okay. Well, good. And at least you might know it once we get into it, but I'm glad at least off the top you haven't heard this. Okay. So. <laughs> I think you overestimate me. Well, I just know that this is kind of your your jam, you know cults and serial killers yeah. and so i like i like bringing you stories you haven't heard so i okay. hope this is one okay so we'll just get started on jeffrey lundgren he was born in independence missouri of oregon trail fame mm-hmm. that's usually where you start in Oregon yeah. trail yep. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was born there in 1950 his family was part of the reorganized church of latter-day saints a subsect of the mormon church mm-hmm he attended Central Missouri State University where he studied electronics. Not well, which does not sound he was the best student. Okay. But he did join like the reorganized church, which is just going to be shortened to RLDS at this point. Mm-hmm. Reorganized Mormons. So just reorganized Mormons. Mm-hmm. This is where he met his future wife, Alice Keeler. They were soon married and pregnant with their first child, which just reminded me, I had this conversation with someone recently about like, how back in the day kind of and even still to this day of just younger religious couples getting married way too young just so they can have sex and i feel like that's oh partially what happened here 100 percent. yeah i might cut this i don't know well no i mean I here's the, i'm not gonna say that's why everybody did right but also too in a lot of those those it organizations like well in a lot of uh organized situation or a lot of organizations like that too life's goal is to have kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. like the big thing is like, you're going to have your family and you're going to raise your family and your family, right. your family. And that's like the thing that you're striving to do. So like, why wait? Right. That too. So I think like, yeah, it could be sex for sex sake, but like, I think it also just comes down to like ABC. Like you, yeah. you're a child for a while and then you are almost an adult and then you're an adult. And when you're an adult, you get married and have kids. Yeah. Yeah. So very much that time period. Mm-hmm. So being married and parents did not help their studies. So they both dropped out. Okay. In 1970, Jeff enlisted in the Navy, seeing it as a way to support his family and learn a trade for after the service. Also, sometime in his during his four-year enlistment, they had child number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did that for a minute. We're going to flash forward 10 years to 1980. Okay. The couple now has four children and Jeff is having a hard time holding down a job. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. It apparently wasn't because he didn't know electronics or how to fix them, but rather his poor work ethic and irresponsible behavior. 
and that will do it. Right. Uh, and he was still, but he was still very active in the RLDS community in Independence because they're mm-hmm. still in Missouri at this point. The elders, though, knew he understood the scripture well and asked him to become a member of the lay priesthood. Okay. Which I think is just kind of like a priest, but not really. You okay. Know? Like a priest in reserve almost, maybe. Like, okay. You can go to the train honorary priest, maybe. I don't know. Pseudo priest. There we go. So this is when he started to get a bit of a following. Uh-oh. So, yeah. The elders like, this guy knows the scripture, you know, a, you know, be a lay priest. And so he started leading Bible study groups. And the book made a comment of like, people came for his knowledge and interpretation of the scripture, but stayed for his charisma. Lovely. Yeah. So as his popularity grew, he started to interpret the scriptures a little differently than the church. And so he even like kind of started a splinter group off the RLDS church, which is just Sounds like a split off of the Mormon church. So mm-hmm. a splinter of a splinter. Although I think RDLS is bigger than a splinter. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. Yeah. So just like this, he created a very small group and started holding meetings in his, in his home. And Naturally. they were attended by large groups. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the belief among his followers was that he had figured out the truth of the scriptures. Naturally. Yeah. Of course he did. They still thought of him as a man of this earth, but his spiritual understanding was much higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he had a, you know, just a very enlightened experience of the church or whatever. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and although he wasn't the first to say it, his followers did. They thought he was a prophet. So, uh, yeah. Yes. I'm sure he didn't say it. But he was definitely thinking it. I'm sure some seeds were planted, though. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's just a thing. Oh, yeah. So just kind of starting to focus on the group. Like, Where do these people start coming from? Amongst their followers were many of their friends from the college days from the RLDS house at Central Missouri. And his followers soon began supporting him financially. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which given the fact he couldn't down, hold down a job was probably very welcomed. Yeah. Didn't take long. I mean, for, he's working something. Right. It didn't take long for Jeff to get greedy, though. And he told his followers that it was their duty to support him as their teacher and prophet and that they should give him half of their income. Wow. Half. Like each? Yeah. Like every person? Every person should be giving him half of their income. Okay, sir. Yeah. Increments. Yeah. You got to work your way up to 50%. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Don't do that. But, right. you know. But, like, for real, though, like, if you're going to, like, like, that's, you know. If that's your end game or, like, your game. Right. You don't just jump there. Right. That's, like, negotiation. Yeah. Off, no. But, so some actually did stay and increase their donations, like asked. But many more were like, mm, nah, I think I'm good. And then they just kind of stopped coming. Yep. And this started to hurt Jeffrey's bottom line. Well, naturally, yes. And this is when Jeffrey said the scriptures were calling for him, mm-hmm. calling him to move from Independence to Kirkland, Ohio, that those who wanted to follow him there would see God. That's so specific. Yeah. Um, did he start Costco? No, but apparently Kirkland, Ohio has deep meanings for the Mormons because of course it does. Okay. I guess in 1832, Joseph Smith, who founded the Church of Latter-day Saints, had some revelations that told him to move from New York State and to go to Kirkland, Ohio, and that when there, they should build a temple to serve as the church's headquarters. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the temple was completed in 1836. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, hearing this tidbit, I'm like, Jeffrey, you could have been a little more creative. Like, Joseph Smith already did this, you copycat. Yeah, find your own Right, find your own small town in the Midwest. There's plenty of them. Right. But most of his followers ended up, that were still there, ended up going with it. I mean, they're probably, they're already like, well, we already gave half our income. We're in deep at this point. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, they settled into rented homes that were selected for them by Jeffrey. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So Jeffrey and his family, on the other hand, ended up on a 15-acre farm they rented. That farm came with a barn and some other buildings and, you know, a farmhouse, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's where 
Him and his family lived, and some members of the congregation were even allowed to live in the house with the family. Okay. Uh, all members, though, were required to work and give the money to Jeff. All uh, Pretty much all of it, yeah. No? Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. No, thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. So they moved there. They started doing this, and they even like picked up a few people from town who heard of the prophet, and about this time, the numbers were about 24 people. Okay. So not huge, but not insignificant. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, when Jeff's teachings really started to diverge from the main RLDS church. Mm-hmm. So for instance, they did not advocate polygamy, but he did approve of sex between himself and his followers. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, the scriptures were calling him to do this. Yes. And eventually he did take a second wife. Okay. Uh, he also arranged marriages for his single followers, marrying him themselves. Okay. And he even broke up some of the existing couples and repaired them with other people. Like, you know, people who had been dating for a while. I was like, no, 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 no. God's calling you to be with this guy instead. So just I'm breaking you up. You're going with him. Okay. I might know this. You might. A little. Yeah. Okay. So. This is sounding familiar. I mean, it's sounding familiar because the. This is like... I mean, it's also like the, yeah, the recipe of a cult. Right. Yeah. right. We're kind of getting the, into, the marriage the pairings seasonings. is, yeah. I think, more specific. But that could also be in multiple ones, too. But like... Right. We're getting yeah. into the seasoning, though. Yes. Like, you know, yeah. pretty much up until this point, it's this been the vanilla paprika. cult. Yeah. <laughs> Not in every recipe, but... Right. In some of them. Yeah. So, Jeffrey kind of became obsessed with sex at this point. Mm-hmm. Like one member was reported saying that the only they only talked about scripture and sex now. Okay. And he taught his followers that any kind of sexual behavior was a-okay with God. Sure. And he also told women that it was their job to be carnal, sensual, and devilish, and they were there to please the men. Uh. The group even went as far as watching movies together to discuss what the actresses did and how they moved to increase their sensuality and sexuality so the women could in the group could imitate them. Uh, this is not the group I think it is, but it also, well, obviously, it reminds me of like that, though, behind the scenes, like Nexium shit, too, mm-hmm. of Keith Ranieri, Ranieri, Ranieri. Yeah. Of like... Well, I mean, grooming, realistically. Yeah. Because you can, I think you can groom an adult too. Yeah. But, bleh. Yeah. Continue. So a a whole lot of bleh (laughs) at this point. So Jeff was also basically at this point using scripture to get anything he wanted. Okay. He told them that he could not only read their minds, but see into the past and future as well. Because why not throw those on? At this point, he's like, let me just see what I can get away yeah. with, I feel like. I was going to say, if we're making shit up. Right. Push it to the limits. Like, I'm Why almost, not? like, debating, is it worse if he knows he's full of shit or thinks that he's, act, like, he thinks these things, you know? Yeah. But he was also apparently the chosen one, and anyone who followed him would be assisting in the second coming of Christ. <laughs> and conveniently, everyone not involved was their enemy. Mm-hmm. So the elders and church fathers of the RLDS started hearing about this less than by the book teachings and honestly just bizarre behavior and voted to revoke any ministerial credentials they had given him. Because remember I said they made him a lay priesthood? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, or they made him a lay priest? They were like, no more. So they're going through the process of being like, we're stripping him of everything. But before they could get all the bureaucracy done, Jeff was like, uh, nope, I'm leaving the church. Gotta go. Bye. I mean... Yeah, but this didn't make any of his scripture interpretations any more sane or sensible. Mm-hmm. Because uh, after this, he was like, we're definitely the chosen ones, and I'm your prophet. I'm going to lead you to God. But before we can do this, we need to cleanse the church of their, quote, sinful leaders. Uh-huh. He had a vision of a plan to take over the temple and kill the 10 leaders and anyone else who tried to stop them. Wow. Because apparently thou shalt not kill was not in their Bible. No. Well, because he's making up his own uh, as he goes. Right. So they started training by doing calisthenics, watching violent movies, weapon practice at local shooting ranges, and even practicing breaking into the church at night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They started stockpiling weapons and ammo. Because America. 
And Jeff also started wearing military combat camo to lessons. Well, yeah, you got to dress for the job you want. Exactly. So he was just obsessed with this attack at this point. He was like, we got to attack them. We got to kill these church leaders because they were insulting me, basically. Uh Uh-huh. My feelings were hurt. Right. So he convinced his following that the church leaders were the ones who strayed and that killing them was God's will. (laughs) So it's like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. They're the ones in the wrong. They're not doing God's will. They got to die. So the year is 1988. And two members were kind of like, I don't know about this. This is starting to get a little too crazy for me. So they fled Kirkland without telling Jeffrey or the rest of the group, knowing that if they were caught, they'd probably be killed. And they weren't wrong because after they left, Jeffrey put a death order out on them. Holy shit. So Kevin Curie was among one of the leavers. He went to Buffalo, New York and went to the FBI to report the plans of the attack. Okay. They weren't that interested because they were like, eh, it's probably something the police in Kirkland can handle. So they just kind of like forwarded the message to them. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the police took it a little bit more seriously. They brought Jeffrey in for questioning about his relationship with the church and the planned attack. The other lever was not identified by name, but she also contacted the police chief through a friend and told him what she knew. So they took Jeffrey in for questioning and nothing like they kind of just let him go. And in a less than surprising turn of events after this, Jeffrey was saying that the vision had changed and, you know, scriptures were calling for something else, that they didn't need to attack the temple anymore, and instead they must cleanse themselves. What does that mean? Well, good to that. (laughs) He told the members that to prove to God they were prepared and willing to do his work, they had to kill one of the families in the group. Like a random family or? One of the ones in there, like, in their cult squad. That what? Like as a group or like each of them had to. The, like they were like basically they like. Like human sacrifice basically. Like we yeah. are sacrifice. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. So the Avery family was the unlucky family. Did they draw straws? Like how do you. Well here's the. Here's the. Here's the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. So the Avery family was chosen because while they gave most of their income to Jeffrey. They were still holding out on some. Also, Jeffrey thought that Dennis, Dennis Avery, the father of the family, did not have enough control over his wife and that she had too much say in matters. Oh, my God. And he made sure to clarify that killing the parents was not enough and they had to kill the three children, too, because the sins of the parents were the sins of the children and that they had evil parents, so they must be evil, too. Oh. Yeah. So fast forward to April 17th, 1989. The entire group, including the Avery family, met at the farm compound for dinner and scripture. So the Avery family, like, they knew- just like were basically planning all this behind their backs. Oh, they didn't know. Okay, they did okay, not okay. Know. They did okay. not know. I was like, they just showed up because yeah. I'd be like, let's move. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. No, they did this all this planning behind the Avery's. Backs. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. But oh. like, they should have gotten suspicious a little sooner. I feel like because so basically, once they got there, Alice the wife of Jeffrey mm-hmm. took all of the children except for the Avery children and loaded them into a van to be taken from the house. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. for some reason, their kids weren't taken. I wonder, huh? Interesting. Mm-hmm. They had prepared a large hole in the Western part of the barn for the bodies. Oh, oh, I was imagining on the side for some reason, not in the ground. And I don't. Yeah, no, they were inside. The, they yeah. were in the barn. Yeah, that makes more sense. Oh, and their no. plan was basically to lure out the members of the Avery family one by one, starting with Dennis, then his wife, and then each child oldest to youngest. The plan was to stun them with a stun gun, tie them up, place them in the hole, and then Jeffrey would shoot them with a gun. Ugh. So also the book mentioned that the gun was purchased with money that, that he had gotten from Dennis. Ew. Yeah. That's just rude. For real. Like, you weren't giving us enough money, which is why you're killing you, but I will use the money you did give me to buy the gun I'm going to kill you and your entire family with. That's fucked up. It sure is. So Dennis was called out to the barn by some of the other men under the guise of looking for camping equipment. Okay. They tried to stun him with the stun gun, but instead of going out unconscious as planned, he was kind of just like, ow, what the fuck? (laughs) 
just kind of like he just shouted out his pain. Like, okay. Yeah. So basically it was a minor inconvenience. Right. He was just like, the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. Although they're religious. They're like, what in the world? <laughs> but the men just had to improvise. They jumped him and started tying him up. Uh-huh. They tr- he Dennis was like, guys, this isn't necessary. Like, we don't got to do this. But then they duct taped over his mouth. Then they started a chainsaw to drown out the noise of the gun. So Jeff and his military guard stood behind the man on his knees in the hole, fired two rounds at him. Mm. Yeah. So then the men went in back into the house to tell Cheryl that she was now deep into the barn. They tried to stun her. Same thing. It didn't really work. She kind of just like, what the fuck? Okay. For, okay. Yeah. So clearly they bought a shitty stun gun. Yeah. Like the, they got two it, like the family row. dollar or something, you know? Yeah. Also, no. Yeah. If somebody went somewhere and doesn't return. Right. And you were called to that space. Girl. Do not. Just, it, it keeps going. So. That is. So long. they're like, Cheryl, we need you in the barn. Try to stun her. And they were like, it didn't work. And they were like about to overpower her. But they were just like, just let it go. You're not getting out of this. And so she just like, Okay. Because she knew it was happening and she knew escape was unlikely. So she top bound, lowered into the pit, shot in the back of the head. Oh, my God. The next three are the children. So feel free to fast forward if you don't want to hear the details. But I'm going to go into them just because they were in the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next person called out to the barn was Trina, their 15-year-old daughter. They told her that her mother needed help in the barn. They'd given up on the stun gun at this point and just bound her while playing word games with her. Oh, God. Then she was lowered into the pit. Jeff attempted to shoot her in the back of the head, but the first shot just grazed her. The second shot was a direct hit, and she died instantly. At least it was instant. I mean, like, yeah. that's, all, the, all of this is completely awful, but... Absolutely. That can be the one saving grace is that... Yeah. At least for that. Yeah. So next, they asked 13-year-old Rebecca Lynn if she wanted to go to the barn to see the horses, which oh, she excitedly no. agreed to. Similar story, bound, lowered in the pit, shot in the head, or shot in the chest and the thigh. Oh. Last up was the seven-year-old daughter, who was basically like one of the men put her up on the, his shoulders and like carried her out to the barn. And then XYZ, shot in the head, died instantly. Oh. So their work for the Lord was now done. Jeff instructed the men to cover the bodies with lime to speed up the decomposition and then fill Mm. in the hole and cover it with bags of garbage. And then Jeff was like, our job's done. We got to go. So he split them up into groups and then sent them out in the cover of night to avoid suspicion. The group reunited in Davis, West Virginia, where they established a military-like encampment and complete with foxholes, trenches, and even a mounted anti-aircraft gun. Because again, America, what use does a civilian have for a fucking anti-aircraft gun other than shooting down aircrafts, which I don't think any civilian should have the power to do. No. And it's not suspicious suspicious at all when a group of 20 people move from one place to another place without Well, they did it at night, so nobody knew they were, they kind of just like disappeared and then they showed Mm -hmm. up at least in the wilderness, which they actually ended up calling this wilderness camp. Yeah. They always get a new camp in the wilderness. And so when they got there, Jeff told all the women that they needed sexual cleansing from him and that anyone who broke orders could end up like the Avery family. Oh, good. So Threatening. Great. Yeah. So I don't know if the sacrifice is more for God or for him to be like, make an example. Mm-hmm. So, great. They stayed at the camp for five months until the weather began to cool and the money began to run out. Jeff at first was like, let's go back to Missouri. I have a friend with a barn where we can stay. But they were only there for a week before Jeff told his followers that they should go their separate ways for now, work to save up money to support him and the group, and that they would meet up next summer for a wilderness camp like the one they had just left. Interesting. So they go their separate ways, and one follower by the name of Keith Johnson was haunted by the guilt of killing the Averys and went to the police. He told them everything he knew and even gave authorities a map to find the bodies, the report was sent back to the Kirkland PD, who were already curious after the group had just disappeared mm-hmm. one day. Like I said, sus. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they took the tip. And at first, they were like, let's see if we can find any signs of this Avery family, like current location, anything. Yeah. Of course, they weren't able to. So they took the map and went to the barn. They 
didn't have to dig that deep before like the, the awful smell just kind of hit them and they were like, oh, we found them. Yeah. Mm. So the news of the death broke soon and members of Jeffrey's group began showing up at police departments to confess their confess in hopes of like getting a lenient sentence. Mm-hmm. Jeff was arrested outside San Diego and the rest of his family was taken into custody over the death of the Avery family. Jeff was found guilty on five counts of murder after the jury took two hours to determine his guilt. He was sentenced to five death penalties. I mean, yeah, one for each. Yeah. Right. Like I understand, but it's also like we're sentenced yeah, to only... five times. Unless it's a cat, I don't think it applies. I think though it has to do too with like um like appeals and stuff like that. Yeah. So like you, you can have to appeal, appeal all five yeah. of them, and that's just right. nearly impossible. Yeah. But so, yeah, it is a weird. Right, it's, it's like it's, an interesting, like, like saying you've been sentenced to death five times. Mm-hmm. Or like three life sentences or something, right. too. It's the same thing where it's like, um. Yeah. I you can't get reincarnated, we're sticking your ass back yeah. in this prison. We're going to find you in that new body. Right. <laughs> so his wife, Alice, was sentenced to 150 years to life in prison on five counts of murder and five counts of kidnapping. Their son, Damon, who was responsible for letting the barn folk know that another Avery was coming was sentenced to 120 years to life on four counts of murder and five counts of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Ronald Luff, who was a man who carried seven-year-old Karen out to the barn on his back, uh, taped all the fa- Avery family up and carried them to the pit, was sentenced to 170 years in lo- to life. Daniel Kraft, who was involved in some way, was sentenced to 50 years to life on five counts of murder and three counts of kidnapping. Gregory Winship, whose role was to run the chainsaw during it all, got 15 to life. Richard Brand, who overpowered Dennis and taped him up the family, got 15 to life on five counts of murder. Sharon Blunchley, Deborah Oliveras, and Catherine Johnson were in the farmhouse and did nothing to stop the murders and were each sentenced to seven to 25 years in prison. Okay. So here's the, la- here's yeah. the, the end of all of it. Yeah. When it came time for Jeffrey's death penalty comeuppance. Uh-huh. He appealed and fought on the grounds that he was overweight and the lethal injection drugs would act too slowly and cause a slow and agonizing death. He was put to death by legal injection on October 24th, 2006. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Not that long ago. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, later than you would think, given this happened in like the late 80s. That's early how long 90s. it takes, though, I feel yeah. like because it's it's not, there is because there is always the chance of appeals and things like that, too. Yeah. And like. Yeah, it's always decades. Like, it seems like it's always decades. Yeah. So that is the story of Jeffrey Lundgren and his that cult. That is re- wild. Did they ever have, like, a like a name, like, a proper name or anything like it that? It doesn't sound like they had, like, a proper name. Okay. They were just, might be why I mean, they were small. Less well known. Yeah. yeah, well, they were small. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, actually, I think they just reminded me of other ones. I've definitely yeah. never heard that. That is absolutely terrifying. Right? And interesting. Yeah. And I I just, I don't know. Like people can be so persuasive to other people sometimes. This is why I don't trust charismatic people. Yeah. It's a good plan. Yeah. I Uh, look for the awkward. Yeah. uh, (laughs) So that they will understand me. Uh, Yeah. Don't, don't trust charismatic people sometimes. Right. Just like, I also thought this was kind of fitting too, because we talked about black mass a little bit and kind of seems. Oh Yeah. Just mm-hmm. fit the religious vibes that Spooky Season has this year. So yeah, oh yeah. Obviously not a happy story, but not all stories are happy. Yeah, that's okay. And just you have to talk about the unhappy ones too to like right. avoid right them. You know, similar things happening again. So yeah. And so just real quick, my source is Great Lakes or sources. Great Lakes Serial Killers, True Accounts of the Great Lakes Most Gruesome Murders by Wayne Lewis Cater and Wikipedia. Okay. I do. I love a good book for a source. Yeah. If anybody has any good book recommendations on anything, please let me know. Please let us know because it it is such a joy to find a book. Yeah. Uh, Because you know you're going to get a complete story with a book usually. Or like a, a mostly complete story and not like. Mm-hmm. cobbling together 16 sources which those stories can be fun too yeah but it's a matter of finding the 16 sources mm-hmm. and also consistency yeah yeah i also did look that um the the price tag sticker is from the zodiac party store oh yeah interesting yeah we just 
me and Jess watched Zodiac the other day, so yeah. I was on the on the mind. Yeah, uh, great movie. Yeah, I do uh, love that I one. Haven't, I haven't watched it in years until the other night, and like, I forgot how good. I mean, I knew I liked it, but I forgot how good of a movie, how well done that movie is. Yeah, I also did appreciate that we had the same answer for Mary Fuck Kill for the three men in that movie. We did. The three men being Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. We will not tell you the answers, but you can guess on social media. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. I think it's obvious, though. I don't know. I It's obvious for us, but yeah. I'm like, I'm curious to see what people think. Maybe when this episode comes out the day after, we'll put something up on Instagram, like a yeah, poll. We'll do a poll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I love a good edge I, of my cedar. I knew you would appreciate this one, which is another reason I'm like, it's we're we're going to Ohio, but we're going for good reason. It's still the Great Lakes region. Yeah. And we just went on a longer road trip. Sometimes you need to go on a longer road trip. Exactly. I love a road trip. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to win a van right now in a contest so that Hell I can go yeah. on more. <laughs> Cross your fingers for me. They're crossed. Thank you. But that was so lovely and great. Thank you. And so I think it's time for a little game we like to call Two Truths and a Lie. Ooh. I don't know why I had to sing song that, but I did today for some reason. And this is interesting to me because I sat down the other day and I asked him, I was like, what should my two truths and lie be? And this has been, you know, when just something is around you all the time mm-hmm. and it's been years since like this has really been present and you, you might have noticed this too, but they said do it on a horror movie franchise. Two seconds later, I had an idea yeah. of what I would do it on. And then they suggested this particular franchise like 10 minutes later. And I was like, I'm already, I already did the research. Oh, I'm curious. Is it Scream? It's Scream. Okay. It's, it's every, I don't know what it's like. Still have not Are they seen having it. a special anniversary or something this year? It's from it 1996. Be. That'd be 15. Or no, 25. Is it 25? Okay, that's why. Mystery solved. And I think there's a new one coming out next year. Is there? Okay. That's what Google just told me in that quick flash of when I was <laughs> typing it in. But I do, I, I, I need to watch it. I need to watch the second one. I've heard it's good. And I did love this movie when it came out. Like, yeah. I, I saw it in theaters. I genuinely did actually really like this movie when it came out. And honestly, doing this research, I forgot things about this movie. I forgot Rose McGowan's in this movie. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I just, yeah. So we're going to get to it. I think I've, all I've seen is really like the, the, um, Drew Barrymore part at the beginning. Cause she's really in the beginning, right? Yeah. And also that was like parodied so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of that movie was, has been parodied. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's literally a parody franchise. Scary movie. Yeah. Luckily though, none of this is stuff that like, I didn't know. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know any of these things before okay. doing this either. And I wouldn't say you had to have seen the movie. Yeah. You just have to like, uh, no, you know, yeah. trivia. So number one, the original name for the movie was scary movie. Okay. Number two, the screenplay was written in just three days. Okay. Number three, it was inspired by a book named Telephone Calls. Okay. I'm going to say three is a lie. Three is a lie. So the original name was actually Scary Movie. It was changed halfway through production. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Thank God for Scary Movie. Yeah. Actually, I don't care. (laughs) They're fine. So Williamson, the one who wrote it, did write it in just three days. And that included a full length script with two separate five page outlines for potential sequels. Damn. God, I wish I had that kind of just wherewithal to just write an entire screenplay in three days. Here's the uh, thing I almost didn't change into a lie because it is inspired by real life events. Uh, Oh, (laughs) but I figured that would be a bad. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's it's not verbatim what happened, but it was inspired by something in Gainesville, Florida in 1990 by killer Danny Harold Rowling, who was later dubbed the Gainesville Ripper. So Williams, the writer, was also inspired by John Carpenter's 1978 horror classic Halloween, just to kind of yeah. add those like vibes into it. And this is a quote from from Williams. 
I was watching this Barbara Walters special on Gainesville murders, and I was getting so spooked, I was being scared out of my mind. During the commercial break, I heard a noise, and I had to go search the house. And I went into the living room, and a window was open. And I'd been in this house for two days. I never noticed the window open. So I got really scared. So I went to the kitchen, got a butcher knife, got the mobile phone, and I called a buddy of mine. So then his the friend he called, David Blanchard, started asking him about scary movies, and the opening of Scream was basically born. Interesting. So that's that's yeah. the Drew Barrymore scene. And he said that basically one thing led to another. He went to bed so scared that night, which I identify with. If I'm, if I get in my head, I will like. I usually have to watch something like really happy go lucky after. Oh, same, same, like same. Something to distract me or just like something very factual. Mm-hmm. Just like a like a solid like YouTube video about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said he woke up at like three or four in the morning. Also can identify with that. And oh, he same. started writing the opening scene. Love that. Yeah. So Wes Craven, who directed it, he actually wasn't fully on board until Drew Barrymore was cast. Uh-huh. She was originally supposed to play the main character, though. Interesting. That would go to Nev Campbell. Yeah. So the Sydney Prescott is the name of the character. Yeah. And before Wes Craven got on board, actually, George Romero and San Raimi were approached, but both of them passed on it. And Drew Barrymore, I think due to scheduling conflicts about five weeks before production, requested yeah. a new role, basically. And that's how when she got Drew that Barrymore, person. I feel like you can do that. Yeah. That meant they needed another lead. Yeah. I know Brittany Murphy had at one point auditioned for it. Reese uh-huh. Witherspoon was approached, but never auditioned. And Williamson, so the writer, his top choice was Molly Ringwald. Which is an interesting Interesting one. choice, yeah. But she turned it down as she felt 27 was too old to play a high school student, which good for her, because yes, yeah. agreed totally. And eventually Nev Campbell was cast. And then Drew Barrymore in her role only had to be on set for the first five days of shooting. That makes sense. Yeah. Worked 1996 to- was a good year for Nev Campbell, because I was just looking oh, up when the craft was, came up. Yeah, she yeah. was every... I, I remember very clear. She was literally like everywhere. Yeah. I wonder where she's in, like what she's up to now. I think working on a new screen. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. The new screen that comes out. I don't know if it's a reboot or if it's what, but also the Lincoln lawyer. That's the other thing that's at the top I would of assume IMDb. it's not a reboot, but it's probably like she's like the principal or the mom or something. You know what I mean? Like 25 years that. after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new killer emerges and Sydney Prescott must return to uncover the truth. Oh, so it's almost like an it part two. Yeah. Like kind of thing or whatever. It's got uh her Courtney Cox in it too. That makes sense. Yeah. She was such a crowd blazer. I love Courtney Cox. Yeah. So I get it. A few more facts though. Yes. And we will we're gonna watch this soon. Absolutely. Yeah. So the mask that was used, you know, the screen mask. It was apparently found in a house during location scouting by Craven and the producers. But love that. Bob Weinstein, one of the Yeah, not the other Weinstein, who was also involved on the last problematic Weinstein. Yeah. Although probably still problematic. Right. That's why I said last problematic. Yeah. Uh, he thought it wasn't scary enough. And he, he considered replacing Wes Craven as a director because he was like, that's not scary. But eventually he was convinced. Yeah. And I, I think actually the fact that it's not scary makes it scarier. Right. Oh, for sure. It's like cheesy, supposed to be scary, but like stupid. Yeah. yeah. Cameos in the movie. Include Linda Blair, who is the star of The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a reporter. I believe she wears orange, if I recall correctly, outside of the school. And Wes Craven himself appears in it as a janitor janitor dressed as Freddy Krueger. Interesting. (laughs) And he's also the one behind the screen mask in the opening sequence. Nice. So he's not always behind it. Oh, and none of the actors were allowed to... The guy who did the voice of the mask, you know, like yeah. when it was on or whatever. So his name is Roger L. Jackson. Uh-huh. He was on set, but he spoke to the actors by phone to help their performances. Oh, that's fun. Keep it spooky. Yeah. And the final scene is actually about 20 or 42 minutes of screen time. Damn. And it took uh, 21 nights to shoot. Damn. Yeah, it's like half the movie. I mean, I kind of, I need to rewatch it, but I was like, oh yeah, I guess it was long. We'll have to rewatch it soon. Mm-hmm. The movie was originally given an NC-17 rating for its gruesome 
Ness. Yeah. And, but after being edited a little bit, they, Wes Kerman was very adamant about not like cutting a lot of it out and basically right. resubmitting it nine times to like the ratings bureau. Yeah. It was given an R rating. I get that though. Cause NC 17, that's a tough one to mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I feel like unless you like really need whatever, it's going to push you over the NC 17 is almost always better to make it a R. Cause yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, around 50 gallons of fake blood were used on set. Nice. Nev Campbell and Matthew Lillard actually ended up dating while filming and they continued to date for about two years afterwards. Oh, and of course this all came from dear old friend, mental floss and a side of MTV.com news. Ooh. Uh huh. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I got to get into that MTV. I think that about wraps us. I think we are wrapped like a scream, a new mask, a new Halloween mask. Yes. Wrapped like a new Halloween mask. Mm-hmm. If you want a shiny plastic. Yes. Cellophane, even if you <laughs> yes. will. So our social media is at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, you could always head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review there. You know, you can also just message us. Yeah, That's slide always in great. There is Threadless if you want to buy some merch. There is also Patreon. Join us over on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, say hi. We'll say hi back. Yeah. Encourage us to make some extra stuff. Yeah. Because we like extras. Yeah. And I think other than that. Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.